done drinking that soft drink there, Billy? I'm done. You good to record? I'm done, I'm good. Oh, nice. Hello, listeners. Happy New Year! How you going? I'm not too bad. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How was your uh, Christmas, New Year, that whole jam? Mine was okay. Mine yeah. was okay. Pretty pretty chilled, yes. you know, at my age. And chilled is hard to do in Australia, because it's hot. It's gross. It's blistering. I don't like it. It sucks. Um, one thing I've been meaning to ask you is... This being the first Christmas you've experienced, having seen Die Hard, yep. did you did you get caught up at all in the in the the great debate of whether Die Hard is a Christmas film? Yeah, I mean, I saw it floating around online. I saw a couple of, uh, I think there was was it a video that went viral claiming that um, you know there was definitive research that showed it wasn't a Christmas movie. Uh, well, fuck that. Fuck them. <laughs> it's, it's a Christmas movie. There's no doubt about it. It's as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, start to finish. Christmas movie. Do you know what I think the next great debate should be? What's that? Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut yeah. is set in the festive period. Now, <laughs> a film, while not normally thought of as a Christmas film, yeah. you know, a fair chunk of that film is taken up with a family falling apart. And if there's anything that really screams Christmas in the real world, yeah. it's family, it's family falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next push needs to be Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas film. So what you're saying is next year on Christmas Eve, I should sit the wife and kid down and be like, all right, we're going to watch a classic Christmas movie, throw the tape in, hit play, Eyes Wide Shut. Your toddler will be into it. (laughs) Yeah, all right, I'm on board with that. This is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. So what we're actually doing today is our top five of 2017. And we need to just kind of make a statement off the top here that we are going off films that were released in Australia in 2017 that means there are going to be some things that are actually 2016 films yes and there are going to be some things and they include three billboards outside of missouri the shape of water the post ladybird i tonya phantom thread we haven't got these yet it's pretty outrageous how far behind we are but yeah so if any of the films just listed if you're like screaming and yelling how could that not be on your list we haven't seen it haven't seen it haven't seen it also we haven't seen every movie that came out, you know. Well, this is we true. have we have like, we have jobs and stuff yeah. that take up our time. This is true. We try our best. Yeah. We get to as many as we can. For instance, I didn't get to Good Time, which a lot of people absolutely loved. I just yeah. I just missed it. Yeah, it happens. It I does mean, happen. Look at me, Die Hard. Thirty years later, <laughs> sometimes these slip through the cracks. <laughs> yeah. You can't. You just can't get to everything. <laughs> so we're going to give our top five of films that came out here in 2017 that we saw. That we saw. <laughs> yeah. That's the sample. Yeah. And we don't know, we, we haven't talked about each other's list. No, we, we have, have no, no idea. idea. Our list might be exactly the same. Do you have know. a guess as to how many, if any, we'll have in common? I think that we will have at least one, possibly two. But I think that's where it's going to end. I don't, on, I don't think we're going to have five apiece. I'm on one. You reckon we're going to have one I reckon we have one in common. I can't wait to see. And we left this right to the last second because there were some releases that came out this week that we were like, well... In all fairness, we have to wait until this week yeah. to record. So what? I, mean, I changed. The... I changed my top five this morning. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. So I'm probably going to wake up tomorrow and be like, "No, change it back." I locked mine in about a week ago, knowing what what I had. You know, a little bit of freedom to kick off if something else came on. Yeah. But happily, nothing did. The only movie I got to this week was Coco, which was very good. Have you seen the Poe Dameron and BB-8 thing that I got for Christmas up there? That's pretty dope. It's really cool, isn't it? That's very cool. <laughs> Back to the show. All right. Do you have an order? I'll say up front that I don't. I've got one that I am sure is my one. Yep. Because it was that good. But apart from that, 
I was not able to put these in any kind of. I'm the way. same. I just have a top five. Yeah, and same. That's it. So how about how about we alternate this thing? Yep. So do you want to kick us off? I'm going to start off with one that I wasn't expecting to love. Okay, and that is Jackie. I did not see Jackie. Now Jackie, I didn't see in cinemas, yep. which bums me. I saw it on a plane. Wow, that's the worst way to watch a movie. Terrible. I still liked it. And I still thought it was exceptional. I was like, man, this is really good. I should have seen this in in the cinema. Because I was thinking, I was like, okay, Natalie Portman will be great. Yeah. Because Natalie Portman's great. I mean, And I was expecting that Natalie Portman's performance would be the reason to see the film. And apart from that, I wasn't really expecting to be all that into it. Yeah. And I was so into it. Yeah. Wow. It's really, really good. Tell me what it's about. Okay, because I'm going to put this up front. I, I, I don't like period movies. Any kind of period. Unless they're done exceptionally well, I just don't particularly like period movies. So I know nothing about this. So t- tell, tell me what it is. Every scene in the film, I'm pretty sure, has Jackie Kennedy in it. It's, right. It is the Natalie Portman show. And it jumps around timelines a little bit, but it's largely focused on the days and weeks after JFK's death and how she handled herself and her family and the country. And it's told through a couple of different ways with flashbacks and also a conversation that she's having with a reporter. And it's just excellent. Right. The whole Who thing, made it, it? It was directed by Pablo Lorraine. I think right. Lorraine is it. He's a uh, Chilean director. And it was in sh- it was shot entirely on 16mm film. Oh, so it's right. got this old grain to it, which works so well. Yeah. Um, and Portman, of course, was nominated for Best Actress for this film. And I haven't seen The Room. No, sorry, Room. <laughs> Different movies. <laughs> oh, hi, Topher. <laughs> Different movies. I didn't see Room. Man, Brie Larson would want to have been good. Right. Because Portman's phenomenal. So putting this in your top five, yep. is this a movie that you would recommend? Would you tell me I should watch this movie? Because I've actually never heard you mention this movie. So Yeah, well, I watched, I suppose the next time I saw you, I was coming back from a month's so holidays. We, so we were busy talking so about we all the food in Europe. <laughs> all the food that I'd eaten. Yeah. And it just didn't occur to me to talk to you about this movie. Um, I, think it's, I think it's brilliant. Okay, I'll check it out. Tag your it. All right. Well, this uh, this one's going to be really brief because my number one up front is Florida Project. Now, I don't think we need to go too much into that because we just spent an entire half hour talking about it last week. Okay. It's in mine as well. It's in yours so, as well. So, bam. If you want to know what we thought of the Florida Project, check out our last podcast. Yeah. And go watch it because it's really fucking good. We were very much into it. Yeah. All right. So, I guess we're back to me then. All right. Let's, let's go chronologically then. Right back at the beginning of the year, this may even have been a 2016 release, technically. Split. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Indeed. So, yeah, we got that in January. (laughs) We did get this in January. And it was brilliant. I really enjoyed Split. I liked this movie a lot. Like, it's such a shame that because of the genre it is, James McAvoy will never get a nomination. And that is such a shame because what he does in this movie is awesome. It's a real shame because he's amazing. I've actually watched this movie multiple times and it's only been out a year. I've already watched it at least three separate occasions, which... For the space of a year, is that's a lot of times to watch a movie. And every time, I saw something new in him. Like, this movie, it, it just I had, rate McAvoy just oh, he's generally. Great. But this movie just had everything that you want for what it was. It, it was thrilling, it was gripping, it was fun. You know, like, sure, the script was a little bit sloppy. But I'm willing to forgive that for just the performances in this movie and just how much fun I had with it. So that's definitely in my top five. As well as McAvoy, Anya Taylor-Joy in Split mm. is excellent who was also great in the witch yeah all right so i guess bam you're it okay my next one is 
in some ways a screamingly obvious one, yep. but only if you know when it came out in Australia, and that is reigning Best Picture winner Moonlight. Ah, okay. Moonlight's fantastic. Didn't get to it. Moonlight is such a good movie. Okay. And I was part of the crowd on Oscar night that was like, that's awesome. Right. Because it's so good. See, because I didn't get to Moonlight, but I love La La Land. I think La La Land was a, a great movie. I wasn't disappointed, though, when Moonlight took it, even though I hadn't seen it, because I have heard people like you and everyone... Do. And it's one of those movies that I have been meaning to get to. But again, I know very little about this movie other than it's meant to be good. So, what is it? It's a, it's a sort of coming-of-age, self-discovery, sexual, a, almost yeah, sexual awakening sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, who's essentially... It's fairly autobiographical of the writer's yeah. life. Like, the mum in Moonlight is essentially his mum. Is this the one where it spans across multiple time periods? Three, three actors play yeah, right. the lead character when he's a child, when he's an adolescent, and when he's a young man. And the acting across and the And all three of them. And, like, you, you think you'd care and that it might bother you that they don't look alike for shit. Right. But you just don't care. And all three of them. And I think in bet- the guy who... The, the middle... The middle actor, if you will, the guy who plays him at high school. Yeah. Just stonkingly good. Yeah, right. Like, Mahashala Ali, of course, won yes. supporting actor for it. I don't think he's the standout performance in the film. I mean, he's yeah. outstanding. I'm a, I'm, a big, I'm a fan of his. I think he's great. Yeah. The performances in this film are just phenomenal. And it's no great spoiler that Moonlight's a good movie. <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. I mean, is it a movie for film fans or is it a movie for everyone because I guess part of the reason I didn't get to it's it not because, a movie for everyone right because part of the reason I never got to it is I never had anyone to go with because you know my wife wasn't but we both love going to the movies by ourselves oh I do I definitely go to the movies quite regularly by myself but you gotta remember I got a kid now mm. so it does get harder to find that time to go by yourself I of course think that other people are overrated and <laughs> off I trot <laughs> Alright, well I guess we're back to me now. So, my next one on the list is The Big Sick. Mm. Which, did you get to The Big Sick? I really, yeah, I liked The Big Sick. I thought this was a great movie. It was just very, very well done. And I'm a big fan of Kamal Nanjiani, so I, I really enjoyed it. And based on a true story. I don't know, it was just so romantic and touching. And I thought the performances in this film were great. All the, like... Everyone across the board, like Ray Romano. Ray Romano was Ray good. Romano killed it in this movie. Because like, I was like, when I knew that he was like he was going to be in the film, married to Holly Hunter, I was like, this is going to be embarrassing for Ray Romano. Oh, because Holly Hunter is Holly Hunter's Holly Raymond. Hunter, and but everybody Ray loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He He's great. It. He smashed that part. Yeah, and I fell completely in love with Zoe Kazan. You know, like, even though she's in a coma for half the movie, when she's awake, she's so delightful. Like, it was just so easy to fall in love with her. So I, yeah, I loved everything about that movie. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I, I really did enjoy yeah. The Big Sick. All right, so back to you. Back to me. Next on my list is a film that I think is actually from 2015. But it, we got it so And late. it took, and I think it took most... Was, was it 2015 at a festival or something? Well, possibly. Widely and I think it took most of the world until... In fact, most of the world may have got it this year, but I think yeah. some of the world got it in 2016. Uh, it is a Danish film called Land of Mine. Ah, yes. You watched this one only last week. Because I you watched it a week it or two might. ago because people who I have some faith in had said, you need to watch this film. It's sensational. It's the story of these German POWs directly after World War II has ended. Mm-hmm. And they are put to work clearing mines from parts of Denmark. And it's 
I've been trying to figure out if I can think of another film I've seen that gives a sympathetic portrayal of German soldiers yeah. from World War Two. Yeah, because most of the soldiers in in this film are really young kids. Yeah, um, and it's it's partly told from their perspective, partly from their kind of Danish commanding officer, and it's. It's a really, really good movie. Early on, there's a scene... This film does tension staggeringly well. Is it a long movie? No, it's it's not long. It's um, it's certainly under two hours. Yeah, right. Uh, and there's a That's scene... a good length. And there's plenty of scenes where they are clearing minds are really tense, but especially there's a scene early on in the film. I kid you not, I was watching through like cracks in my fingers covering my eyes because the tension is just ramped up so bloody well it's phenomenal um it's uh it's a really really good film right it's worth worth checking out if you can if you can track down this film uh do so all right i'll do where did you hear about it um word of mouth right yeah Yeah. cool uh all right so back to me my next one on the list get out did you see get out yeah yeah i really liked get out great movie it was slick and smart and funny and scary which is so hard to put all those things together it didn't. It didn't come off schlocky or campy like a lot of kind of horror comedies can. It was. It was very smart. I thought. I mean, Peel, who's a comedian, first time feature director, <laughs> and it was. It was just great. It was so well written, and you know, it's very easy for twists these days. Ever since like the Sixth Sense, people want to put twists into these kind of movies, and it's very frequent that it's like, okay, that's kind of sandwiched in there to be a twist. I did not see the twist in this film coming. I loved that character so much that I couldn't believe that she could be involved. Yeah. I was so confident that she was not involved in this thing that I, I, I just I still can't believe it now. Talking about it now because her performance was outstanding and just the way it's written, all the characters are just so like even though it's this completely kind of fantasy scenario the characters are so grounded so grounded in reality that it just comes off really well yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean you don't need us really to talk about the social commentary in the film oh, no. it's very yeah but it's very obvious it's, it, it's it is so good it, it is very very good if you haven't seen get out and you're not a racist then go see <laughs> get out <laughs> if you are a racist just turn the podcast off and just don't listen to us again but still give us a five star rate <laughs> but I can highly recommend Get Out it's a great movie um, I'm I'm big into the the lead in Get Out who was also in yes. Sicario yes I'm I'm liking his work I'm yeah. yet to see him play an Englishman yet I didn't realise he was English until oh, pretty shit, recently neither did I yeah. there, there's that scene in Get Out where he's being hypnotised and so much expression just in his eyes he's you know he's like almost unconscious but the the amount of expression that this actor gets across is phenomenal so i guess we're back to you and and is this number five yeah my my last one is christopher nolan's dunkirk yep i saw that coming i knew this was the one lock for me that i knew would be on your list yeah just a example of supreme competency yeah. In directing. So here we go though, we get to counter something which is a bit nice because I enjoyed Dunkirk, but I felt it was quite overrated. I, I, I gave it a seven. It's pretty good. Yeah, look, it, it's a good movie. I, there were lots of things I enjoyed about it. I thought the cinematography was beautiful. Stunning. I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that it felt more like a Nolan movie than a war movie. That's one thing I really like about Nolan, that he will just make what he wants to make and people will let him do it. And I... As we've said many times on this podcast, that's one of our favorite things is when movies that are kind of different get made. 
which is great. That I really liked. For me, it didn't work as a whole movie. I didn't enjoy the three separate stories being told in that way. I felt like we didn't get enough time with any of the characters. And also, one of the big kind of things about this film is that there's very, very, very little dialogue, which I think if you had more time with these characters would work fine. But when you've only got about 25 minutes with each of them and they barely talk, for me, I just couldn't feel invested in them. Yeah, the main knock I've heard on this film is that it's kind of lacking in the human factor. Yes, which which, which I get. But it is a spectacle. Yeah. I, I'm sure that if you saw this in IMAX or something, it would be an amazing yeah, watch. Yeah, I haven't because seen because it in as IMAX. I said, it, is from, it is shot beautifully. I've heard from anyone who did see it in large format yeah. said it's Because uh, it was also screening in 70 mil. Yeah. And I do it, like, as I said, I enjoy that Nolan will, will do these different things. But for me, this one just didn't really work. Yeah, so I, the large parts of this film where there is a raging lack of dialogue wasn't a problem for me at all because I was just so caught up in, geez, how well can Nolan tell a story that he doesn't need yeah. a script? And the, I mean, the cinematography is... It is beautiful. It's the whole, the whole, so good because the camera is telling this story. I mean, as you, as you said, very competent filmmaking. Like, there's no question that Nolan knows how to make a movie. But for me, it just... it Yeah, as you said, I guess, that the kind of human kind of element. Uh, the score in Dunkirk, absolutely loved. Yeah. The one thing where I might just turn on it one day is if Roger Deakins doesn't win that cinematography <laughs> well, for, they for think Blade he, they Runner think he finally for Blade Runner 2049. And I actually... Like, the cinematography in Dunkirk is so good that ordinarily I couldn't knock it winning. It's just that if, 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 if yet another year goes by without Deacons winning an Oscar, I'm going to lose my shit well, I mean, again. There has been pretty heavy talk that this is probably his year. I think the Oscars reach that point where they just kind of have to throw someone an award. Oh, they do that all the time. Like, I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Deacons is, I think, 13 and 0 yeah. for nominations. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, he's the next Leo, mate. <laughs> if he, if I would tell you, if he keeps going, one day he could be You'll Leo. You'll get there, Rog. <laughs> All right, so I guess we're up to my last. Yep. Mother. I don't know if this surprises you or not that this made my list. What I love about this movie is I'll probably never watch it again. Like, I as I thought this movie Which is was not rare so... for Darren Aronofsky films. No, for me. Yeah. Like, Requiem for a Dream is a phenomenal film. I'm never watching it again. Yeah, I thought this movie was so outstandingly done. Every Like, every kind of element of it was perfect. I have never felt so invested in a film before. Like, even before things started going hectic, I hate people. So right from the start, when these random people are in her house, my heart was racing. And I like, I have a, I have a very weak bladder and I drink very large Cokes during movies. So I always have to pee. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up during this movie. I was locked in it. Like it was, I've never watched anything so intense. And like I said, it was so intense that I'll, it happened to me with Up as well by Pixar. I'll never watch that movie again because I like (laughs) to have some fluid in my body. (laughs) But yeah, Mother just, everything, like the sound design, the script, the, you know, like it was a little heavy handed with its message maybe, but it, it it was just so good that I, for me, it was definitely one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, I was really into Mother. And I, I actually don't like Jennifer Lawrence. I've liked her in very little of her movies, but I thought the cast across the board in this, both her and Javier Bardem were Cypher so was phenomenal oh she was yes I actually forgot she was even in it for a second there yeah it, it was just, it was just a great movie if you are in for a bit of a trip go watch Mother if you do have a little bit of a weak stomach then maybe don't see it so yeah so, I mean several of yours are on my shortlist so we're 
even so though what, we only what else, have... what else was on your short list uh, of so kind of honourable mentions? I said that I I flipped one this morning. Yes. My really unlucky loser is Blade Runner 2049. Which I haven't gotten to yet. I was... I mean, I was really scared about Blade Runner 2049 yeah. because, like most film nerds, Blade Runner holds a pretty special place for me. Yeah, and sequels are, are always risky. I remember... So I was really uh, scared. Was it earlier this year or was it last year that Trainspotting 2 came out? Yeah, and oh. I really... I think Trainspotting 2 is a really good film, but... But did it need to be made? Was I didn't exactly need what it. you said to me. Yeah, it's and, a really good movie that I didn't need. Yeah, and Blade Runner could have very much fallen into that category where it just didn't really need to exist. Yeah, but um, I mean, in the hands of Denis Villeneuve, who I think is arguably the form filmmaker... There's so much to like about Blade Runner 2049. Ryan Gosling's face, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still like people to people it, complain about the length of Blade Runner. I'm like, what? Well, who who's getting enough of looking at Ryan Gosling? <laughs> this is madness. So that was on your list right up until this morning. This morning. And which one was it that took it off? Doesn't matter. Oh, I'd love to know though. <laughs> I'd love to know. Oh, that's a shame. Anything else on your kind of shortlist? Because I did have a, a bit of a list going. Um, other things that were in the running for me were so Mother was on my shortlist. Yeah. Uh, Get Out was on my shortlist. The Last Jedi was on my shortlist. Uh, One that I really personally just really really enjoyed. Uh, the Edge of Seventeen. Oh, I didn't get to that, but I did hear that was very good. You would. I'm convinced that you would really like Age of 17. Okay, I'll get to it. Let's talk about Last Jedi for a second. Yep. When did that sneak onto your possible list and why was it there? And did it ever flit with the chance of getting into your top five? It was probably never getting in, but in the in the days and weeks since it came out, there's more and more that I like about what Ryan Johnson did. Okay. So what you're saying is I should get to a second viewing. I You definitely should get to a second viewing. Okay. Yeah, cool. I mean, other ones on my shortlist are Spider-Man Homecoming, was up there. Um, Meh. <laughs> see, I, I think as far as the Marvel movies go, I think that's the best one we've had. I very much enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, but I thought Homecoming was great. I thought... Volume th- 1, that is. We both thought Volume 2 volume was two bog stag. average. Uh, Tom Holland, though, he's by far the best at being both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You know, it's it's like how we've had actors who are good Batman, terrible you know, Bruce Wayne's. I thought Tom Holland was really good at both. So I enjoyed a lot about that movie. Also, Finding Francis, which you definitely wouldn't have seen. It's the Nathan For You feature length. Yeah, right. Watch it, because it is one of the best things I've seen this year. Yeah. that For a very long time, that was a lock in my five, and it kind of just drifted out. But you should you should get to that. So that concludes our top five of 2017. Sure then. does. Now, surprise! Surprise. <laughs> so I heard the, the actor Michael Rappaport. So he was asked about his favourite film of the year and he said that he, he doesn't like talking about his favourite film of the year because it's too early to say. Yeah. And that really only, maybe I'm misquoting him, but this was the general gist, that if he had it his way, you'd give out awards 10 years later. When, I like that when idea. The, you know, the movie's had time to sit. Has the it aged well? Does Oscars. it stand up? Were you just lost up in the moment? Were you caught up in Harvey Weinstein bribing you? <laughs> like, to find out what actually were the best films of a, of a certain year, the way to do it is to look back. Yeah. So now we're going to do our top five of 2007. Yeah. Now, when you messaged me this, I was like, oh, shit, I don't remember what was in 2007. But you know what? That was a damn good year. Good year. I was I was shocked. So 2007 gave us uh, such gems as Alien vs Predator Requiem, oh, film yes. that almost made me want to stop watching <laughs> movies. It was that bad. For this one, do you still want to back and forth it, or do you just want to give us your five? Uh, I think we go back and forth. And for this right. one, so I haven't bothered checking like when things came out in Australia. No, that's same. too hard. I, I've just that gone, was too hard. This I've just is gone just by when IMDb they came out. Release date. Exactly. Um, 
Okay, before we get started, do you think that we'll have any crossover? We're a chance of one, but I actually don't think we are going to have a single film in common. All right, let's do this. Your turn to go first. Juno. On my shortlist. Juno was a great movie. Great film. Loved everything about that movie. And honestly, it's it's 10 years ago. If you haven't seen Juno, go watch it. Um, Diablo Cody, who wrote and directed that movie, I believe it was her... No, she didn't direct it. Right, who wrote Wright, it. Reitman directed. Oh, of course. he did. Yeah, I, I believe it was her kind of debut. Yeah, because she was approached to make, to do a, uh, a screenplay on the basis of her blog. Right. And then she came up with this screenplay, which, as I understand it, is in no way related to her blog. Yeah. But they were like, this is great. I loved it. And, you know, it was, I think it was a few years after that, she made Jennifer's Body, which I also love. All time great. <laughs> people will tell me it's not good and those people can get fucked. They're wrong. <laughs> So Juno is definitely yeah. As Juno's soon as great. as soon as I looked up the kind of list of films that were released in two thousand seven, I saw that there I was like ah oh, all time course. greatest representation of a stepmother in cinema. C J Craig herself, Alison Janney in that film yeah. is so good. I mean, all the cast. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons is all. I mean, <laughs> why even mention his name? Has he ever been not good? No, no. <laughs> George Michael's in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love some Michael Sarah. <laughs> and I mean, of course Ellen Page. Ellen Page as Juno. I be- was also- that the first time the world was really introduced to Ellen Page? No, we it's the first we, time I really remember. Okay, her. I knew who she was. She'd been in an X Men Hard Candy, I'm uh, pretty sure. I was just was about to question that. Yeah, actually I think it was and Hard Candy's another great movie. Yeah. It's very, very good. Ellen Page is just great. She even did you see Flatliners this year? No. I Maybe we should s- get I to our worst myself of the year. <laughs> it was not even good. some but friends even, of mine. Even in that, she's awesome. Some <laughs> friends of mine who were who were like big horror fans, they went and saw the new Flatliners. I got a text from them the next day just like Dear God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> but even in that, you got to love her. Well, I'm happy. Yeah, that uh, didn't make my five, but I'm, I'm really happy it's on yours. I'm going to start off real obvious. Um, the best picture winner of that year, No Country for Old Men. Which I still have not seen. That is criminal. You should see the look on, on Topher's face. That is criminal, Billy. Look, I'll get to it. I'll definitely get to it. No Country for Old Men is my favourite Coen Brothers film, and... These are the guys. See, that, and I love me the Coen Brothers. These are the guys that made Fargo. Yeah, and this is my favorite. Okay, No Country for Old Men is, as far as I'm concerned, a genuine great. That's okay. a term that gets thrown See, around. Fargo is still in my all-time top movies of all time. So if you're saying that No Country for Old Men is better than that, I'll get to it. I it's so good. It's so so good. So you know that I don't I don't I don't know how much you know about it now. So there's kind of three main-ish characters. Like if you had to say there is a lead. Yeah. But the two supporting characters are do have a lot of screen time of their own. One of them, of course, being Javier Bardem, who yes. won the Oscar for the film and is, I think, the best screen villain since Hannibal Lecter in Science of the Lambs. I mean, just such a great performance. Right, but the three main characters, never on screen together. Huh. Weird little thing. Do um, they interact in any way? Are there phone calls or anything? Or are they just literally... They do talk. Yes, they do communicate. Right. Um, there's, there's a cool little... Yeah, you know, like a lot of Coen Brothers films do have weird little tie-ins that yeah, yep. you prob- that certainly on first viewing you probably don't notice. There's a case of money in No Country for Old Men. Same case as Fargo. Is Does Steve Buscemi pop up anywhere? Because Steve Buscemi should be in every movie ever. Do you know, so Woody Harrelson's in um, No Country oh, for Old right. Men. I love Woody Harrelson. Do you know what I didn't know until recently? What? Woody Harrelson's estranged father. I don't know how much he had to do with him growing up. Contract killer. Like legitimately? Legitimately. Woody Harrelson in this film plays a contract killer. 
I don't know. Now, I don't know if any of the performance is based on his old man or anything. Wow. But I was like, whoa, really? that's that's out there. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no Country for Old Men is another Roger Deakins film. That year he was nominated. This is the most egregious of the overlooks for Roger Deakins for me is 2007, where he was up for two films. And in my opinion, he should have won for The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Yeah. Excellent. Film. And what did win? There Will Be Blood picked up the award. Huh. And I suspect that because the momentum was all No Country for Old Men, Deakins would have been pinching votes off himself. Yeah. For the film that <laughs> was getting all the votes and didn't win again. There you go. All right. See no country for old men. I will. I promise I'll get to it. Good grief. <laughs> well, I'm kind of thinking that most of these we probably both will have seen. I mean, we're talking 10 years in the past. I don't know if you will have seen this one. Did you ever see King of Kong? Love King. It's on my short list. One of the best documentaries Did- ever made. I agree. And honestly, I don't care whether it's real or not because it's it's... It's like Star Wars. There has never been a better villain than fucking Billy. Billy Mitchell I in know. King Kong. He, like, he is smarmy. He is a prick. And the uh, Steve Weeby, who's, you know, your kind of white hat good guy, is a science teacher. He's, he's you know, like, it is such... If you haven't seen King of Kong, basically what it is, it's... It actually started off as a documentary just about nerds. They were, they were just filming, you know, people playing arcade machines and stuff. And then they kind of got the sniff of this story about, you know, the world record holder of Donkey Kong um, having his record taken by the science teacher and trying to get it back. And it is just outstanding. Just go watch King it's of so Kong. It's so good. It's such an engaging story. Documentary. It's such an engaging story. It really is. It's just, it just it just hooks you in and you just care so much. Just go watch it. Yeah, yeah. Check out King of King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters is its yes, full that's name. Its isn't full it? title, yeah. Yeah. Another great doco from that. This isn't on my list, but just in the there was a doco that year called In the Shadow of the Moon. Um, okay. kind of history of the Apollo missions. Ah, right. So good. Cool. All right, so we're back to you. All right. Um Following on from No Country for Old Men, I'm going into one that I feel like if I didn't have this, the cinephiles would come for me. Uh, there Will Be Blood. Which we've spoken briefly about it. It won the Oscar for cinematography. It did. And the cinematography in There Will Be Blood is outstanding. Yeah. So at least at least there's that. So There Will Be Blood I watched again recently, having not seen it since the movies. It's one of those... I mean, it's kind of in the, in the, the Blade Runner realm of... Movie nerds freaking love There Will Be Blood, and I rem- I remember I remember really liking it, and in particular, I mean Daniel Day Lewis in that film is in the conversation as far as I'm concerned for best screen performances of all, of time. all time with yeah. like some like who, who did in fact win for that performance? He won his his second of three. Yeah, he's phenomenal up there with like France for me like Francis McDormand in in Fargo oh, yes Casper Van Dien in Starship Troopers <laughs> <laughs> I mean don't, yeah Daniel like it is worth watching the movie just Daniel Day-Lewis's performance absolutely and then so I, I revisited it a little while back so I was like okay hang on maybe I didn't like this film enough um just because of the way that a lot of people talk about it and indeed some people who whose opinions I rate there's not many people um <laughs> I was like okay I need to watch this movie again and I was like, okay, yeah, this this is amazing. Yeah. It is a great... Paul Thomas Anderson, of course. Um, first film he made, I think, that didn't have Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Oh, okay. So, like, up until 
Hoffman's this, death, and I even now, because this was course, after his death, yeah, wasn't it? No, no, no. This was before. Oh, so he still, right. he still he made died, the, yeah, so he still the made master. the the master yeah. with, with the Hoff. Yeah, like you, you're going all right when you go to guys of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And there will be blood. It's kind of curiously linked to No Country for Old Men. Like the, yeah, they were the two big award season contenders of that year, and for a time they were actually filming in the same part of West Texas. Like, I mean, kind of literally over the hill from one another. There was a day where the crew from there'll be blood, we're doing a test for this big fire scene that's in the film. And across the hill, uh, the Coen brothers had to halt production for a day because of all this smoke that was in the sky. But then, I mean, there's then there's a bunch of debate that rages still about which of those films was better and which really should have been winning awards. They're both bloody fantastic. Just enjoy them, people. But yeah, all glory to Paul Thomas Anderson. Amazing. This film's great. Yeah. All right, next on my list. This one may possibly be on yours as well gone baby gone it's on my list there you go that was the one i thought yeah excellent movie you know i actually didn't see this movie 10 years ago i saw it probably did I. about two years ago when when you showed it to that's me. right and great movie i mean i i I, I think i've mentioned it on this podcast before but i'm a huge affleck fan you've got a bit of a soft spot he was the bomb for the of phantoms and <laughs> like he knows how to direct a movie and we've actually had this discussion that he's probably one of the only directors who his top three right out of the gate were all excellent his first three films it's pretty are rare amazing for, yeah it's pretty rare for three debut films of a director to be as good and as you've his. got to think about the reason i didn't see because this. this was his this first, is first and, and then, you've, then the town then the town then argo yeah and you've got to think that think about who Ben Affleck was or who he was perceived to be in 2007. Exactly. The this reason the I didn't see it at the cinema was like, I'm not going to watch a Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. I mean, this. so he broke up with Jennifer Lopez in 2006. You, I, no. <laughs> I don't know. It was around the time of Jersey Girl. I went on a date to see Jersey Girl in 2004. This was the movie that made me think, okay, maybe Goodwill Hunting was written by both of them and not just Matt Damon with Ben Affleck's name on it. <laughs> which has always been the... I mean, the, the rumour for a long time was that Kevin Smith wrote it, which is... I, I love Kevin Smith, but he did not, that is not write... A, that is not a Kevin Smith script. <laughs> not nearly enough dick jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I agree. I think Ben Affleck, he knows, he knows... He just knows what he's doing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this was the film that really turned it around for him. The same thing kind of happened with Leo. For a long time, people wouldn't take Leo seriously because he was just that pretty boy. And then at a certain point, people were like, oh, no, shit, he can, he can actually act. And I think this is when Ben Affleck really showed like what he could do other mm. than just be a celebrity. And the performances, there's so many great performances in, in Gone Baby Gone. Oh, they really well, are. Amy Ryan, who plays the mum. Yes. Like, best who, trashy mum ever for yes. me. Even better than The Florida Project yes. is Amy Ryan in Gone And Baby before Gone. this movie, the only thing I'd seen her in is the US version of The Office. Right. I only knew her as a, as a comedic actor. So to see her in this film, she was outstanding. Ben Affleck, I heard, I, I think I read, Ben Affleck thought that she was from Boston because she was just her character. She was so flawless. I think she wasn't allowed on set the first day because she turned up and, and, they and, secure, and security were like, trying to get, get the fuck out. <laughs> and one of the producers was like, oh no, she can come in. Um, yeah. she, I'm pretty sure she was Oscar nominated for this film. So many great performances in Ed Harris is typically awesome. Yeah. It's a really good, moody y- yes. film. Yeah, go watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. What's next on your list, Toph? Next up on my list, all right, this is my probably my outlier 
for 2007. I have a genuine box office disaster uh-huh. uh, in Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Oh, I did not get to... Is I... this the sci-fi fantasy movie? The one where the sun's dying. This is in your top five? Yeah. Fuck, all right. <laughs> I, I love Sunshine. Okay. I know most people don't. The visual style of Sunshine is phenomenal. Yeah. Which is no great surprise because it's Danny Boyle. The, here's a couple of things that might turn you around on it. Professor Brian Cox was a <laughs> consultant. I was just about to say, remind me who the cast is because I actually can't even... So lead, lead role was, was Killian Murphy following on from 28 Days Later with Danny Boyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our favourites, Rose Byrne, is in there. Chris Evans playing not an action person. Um, someone I really like, Cliff Curtis, is in it. Michelle Yeoh is in it. Uh, Benedict Wong. Mark Strong, who I really like, is in it. Another thing to really like about this film, the spacesuits, allegedly inspired by Kenny on South Park. <laughs> with the hoods coming forward. That's pretty cool. Just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll rewatch it. Uh, there's no... They, I think originally there was meant to be a kind of romantic thread to the plot, and they decided, no, that's stupid, and I'm so yeah. glad they did. Okay. Um, so did you see this movie in 2007? Yeah. How many and then, like, I bought it, it the week it came oh, out wow. on DVD. Okay. So you loved it since. Then. I loved it. I remember, watch, I remember watching it at, at the old group house I lived in once. One of my housemates was, was kind of walked in at the start, and he was watching it, and he was like, "Why have I never heard of this film? This is great." Yeah, because I was, was like, a flop. "I yeah. know." Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I mean, I'm not judging. I mean. Everyone but listens to I know I'm in the some trash. I know I'm in the minority here. Well, see, I'm the same. But that film just worked for me. And I know that you did see this, uh, John Carter. I I loved that movie. And again, that was a complete flop. Yeah, I thought I, John Carter was a lot of fun. I thought it was great. But again, you know, like sci-fi movies are hard not to flop. Most of them flop unless they've got a name. Over to you. All right. Uh, this next one, very popular movie. It may be on your list, or you may think it's trash. Super bad. I really like Superbad. I love Superbad. I still watch it. I think it's, as far as a like teen comedy goes, this, I think, is probably the best. You know, like, I, I love, I'm a huge John Hughes fan, so, you know, for me to say that this is one of the best teen comedies, I just think it's just so funny. Just, there are so many laugh-out-loud moments in this movie. Like, almost every line, you at least chuckle. It does exactly what it wants to do. The truly magical thing that Superbad did was make me think, for, for the duration of the movie, it made me think that, yeah, I was pretty cool in high school. Yeah. And then as soon as the yeah. movie was over, I was like, no, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like the acting in this movie, I mean, you've got George Michael again, <laughs> you know. Uh, I believe, was this our introduction to Jonah Hill? Uh, it was certainly the first thing I'd seen him in. Yeah, our introduction to Christopher Mintz-Plasse as well, who will forever be known as McLovin because of this Absolutely. Movie. Uh, like, uh, most people just... Oh, McLovin's in this. I dare say it was the first thing I'd seen Seth Rogen in. It very well could have been. Who also, of course, uh, co-wrote this movie. It would have been the first thing I saw Emma Stone in. Ah, oh, yes. It probably would have. And Emma Stone's fantastic in this movie. She's really well. good. She's very, very Which, good. Which, yes. What a shock. <laughs> yeah. Emma Stone was good. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a great movie. So that's definitely in my top of 2007. Yeah, cool. Back to you, Toph. Um, I'm going to finish off with... Something that, okay, for me, this could not be more obvious, but in 2007, David Fincher released a film, and as such, it's in my top five, uh, Zodiac, which... I, I haven't gotten to, and I've heard that it is outstanding. I'm really happy that in recent years, more and more people are coming around... Because that's kind of a sleeper ...to here. how good Zodiac was. Yeah, see, I actually didn't hear about this movie at the time. I've heard about it so much more kind of in the last, like, two, three years. Yeah, yeah, um, I think it's really picked up in the last couple of years, yeah. retrospectively. People are like... Jesus, Zodiac was good. Now, it is about the Zodiac killer, is that right? Yeah, so 
I'm like, there's there's a bunch about this film that shouldn't work. Yeah. It's a two and a half hour long procedural. Like the script, I think, was at least 200 pages. And the, the studio were like, how are you going to fit this into a movie? And Fincher was like, I'll make them talk fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is at, like actually what he did for The Social Network. Yes. When the studio was like, this is going to be way too long. He's like, nah, watch this. <laughs> I'm David fucking Fincher. <laughs> yeah. So, and because there's, if pushed to it, you'd say that Jake Gyllenhaal is the lead in the film. But he's not the lead for the entire film. Yeah, right. It does kind of move around a bunch um, in terms of kind of who's telling the story, if you will. And it's, I mean, it's just full of awesome David Fincher shit. Like they approach, I mean, the the screenwriters, I think, it's adapted from the book written by the the person that yeah. Gyllenhaal plays. Okay. Um, and the, the people that adapted it to a screenplay were like, all right, well, who do you want to direct this? Well... We'll ask David Fincher. He'll yeah. he'll say no, but then at least we've asked. Yeah. Uh, and Fincher, who grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area oh, right. at the time, happily was like, "Hell yeah!" and just typically directs the shit out of this bloody great film. Yeah. See, well, that's been on my two watch list for a long time. So maybe we should do an episode on it. Maybe. Yeah, because I still haven't seen it. Um, last one for me: Lars and the Real Girl. I haven't seen Lars and the Real Girl. It's- fantastic movie i think it's probably the first introduction i had to ryan gosling who i find quite hit and miss i, think I love gosling he's a very attractive man i don't think all of the movies he's in are wonderful though but this this movie's just great it's a real it's just it's just got that it's it's got a very indie feeling to it and it's just very touching it's just you know it's about this you know what it's about i i know loosely what it's about well yeah. it's about a man who's very kind of um very bad at social cues, very probably on the edge of the spectrum, who starts dating a blow-up doll. Yeah. And basically, what's great about this story is all of the people who kind of support him through this just to kind of, as a way to help him, rather than be like, oh, no, you're crazy, that's a blow-up doll. They just kind of pretend that this girl is real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I'd recommend watching it. It's, it's um, yeah, I know it's one of those films that in the back of my head have been like, you should get, yeah, you should yeah. get to that film. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened. I hope it will. Any uh, any honourable mentions you want to oh, throw up? I actually d- no, I don't don't have any honourable mentions for two thousand seven. You, uh, Alien vs Predator, Requiem. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of my honourable mentions are actually in your top five. Yeah, uh, I was a massive fan of the first three Born films. Born Ultimatum was two thousand seven. Yeah, Loved it. I so Born Ultimatum was the last one. That's right? the third one. Yeah, the, the, the last. Yes, well, yes, the, the last, last. The last actual, one. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> I only saw the first one, fell asleep in the cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us um, for this year. See No Country for Old Men, Billy. I will. I definitely will. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you that I will. You know what? I'm going to watch it tonight. Do it. I will. I most definitely will. I promise you. You're meant to be on dinner with me and you ditched me. So I know you've got time on your hands <laughs> for doing whatever is better than having dinner with me. So to recap, uh, 2017. Yes. Top five. Both had Florida Project. Yep. You also had? I also had Split, The Big Sick, Get Out and Mother. I also had Moonlight, Dunkirk, Land of Mine and Jackie. And then, I mean, let's just recap 2007 as well. For me, I had Juno, King of Kong, Gone Baby Gone, Superbad, Lars and the Real Girl. I was No Country for Old Men, Zodiac, There Will Be Blood, Also Gone Baby Gone, and Sunshine. 
So if you haven't seen any of those 18 films, then go watch them. And if you hate them, let us know. Uh, thanks, Eves, for joining us so far this year. Uh, we Looking st- forward to 2018. Yeah, we only started about two months ago, but so far it's been a blast. So can't wait to keep it rolling. If you're looking for other things to listen to over the holidays, you can check out our friends at Nerd on the Podcast. You can find them at nerdonthepodcast.com. They themselves just did kind of a year in review, but they talk about games and stuff as well. Um, and shout out to our friends over in Kansas as well at Cold Brew Chronicles. You'd like them, Toph. They just drink and chat. They do sound like my kind of people. <laughs> yep, definitely. So if there's just well. West Wing on a loop in the background, <laughs> I'm there. Well, that's just putting a mic in your apartment. That's, <laughs> that's not interesting. That's true. <laughs> Should have a webcam up. <laughs> Me watching West Wing. <laughs> so if you'd like to uh, reach us, you can do that at bearsonfilmmailbag at gmail.com. You can check us out at bearsonfilm.net. You can find us on Facebook at bearsonfilmpodcast, Instagram at bearsonfilmpodcast, or Twitter at bearsonfilmpod. And until next time, just go watch a movie. Happy watching, people.